Hey, how's it going? Welcome into the Irish NFL show. Welcome to Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you? <laughs> eating pizza again? Still eating, Michael. Still eating. Oh, man. Eat like Ezekiel Elliott, man. Ezekiel Elliott after a long run. Just feed me, feed me, feed me. Feed me, feed me. Colin Cronin. Mark Cockerell. Brian O'Leary in tow, I presume. He, he may be here ASAP. Uh, Michael McQuaid ahead of two Monday Night Football games tonight presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange and also Trust Gaming. Um, I'm really tired, Colin. Do you want to do some talking? Yeah, well, uh, that's because you are in a, getting used to different time zone, Michael, having obviously been at the game yesterday with the Ravens and the Packers and what an ending to that game and the I think one of the craziest things is despite that ending that we saw there yesterday it wasn't the the wildest game in the NFL uh, I think you looking at it today it could have gone Ravens Packers could have gone with the the Saints shutting out Tom Brady for the first time in um 255 games mark mark should be able to confirm uh, all of the tom brady stats and uh obviously though uh for me i think the the story of the weekend is the lions and uh their performance yeah two, 255 games column third time he shut out always by a divisional rival dolphins did it to him bills did it to him and now the saints um what a shocker that game was in so many ways um bucks obviously losing a lot of players and we'll see how that affects them in the playoff run obviously uh in terms of how many of them get back to full fitness um but yes the lions are the story of the day big highlight for me on red zone this week wesley scores a touchdown and scott hansen as we know and love him breaks out a princess bride reference bang on cue um it was just it was just perfect i think it was wesley inconceivable um was what he actually said so uh, big props, as always, to Scott Hansen for those uh, off-the-cuff moments uh, when we're all watching Red Zone with him. Um, but yeah, look, it wasn't the most fascinating sequence of games, but just those ones the column's mentioning are impressive in themselves. Can't wait to also tell, talk to you two gents in particular about how many games should Bradley Chubb be banned for, um, given his antics at the weekend. But look, we'll, we'll come to that in due course, I'm sure. I think the plan originally was to go live because I was in the States on Sunday morning. I'm so, so disappointed we didn't because, my God, I'm saying nothing now. If I say something, I'll get in trouble. But we'll, we'll, we'll keep it for next week. Um, yeah, like just very quickly, we'll call saying over in the States here. Was it a game last night, the Ravens-Packers game? Seen Tony Dungy, and we'll talk about this in more detail down the stretch. Seen Tony Dungy last night saying, oh, yeah, it was great for Harbour to go for two. I tell you what, if you heard that stadium when they went for two and missed, uh, going to the game tonight after this, going to drop off in like an hour and go down and watch um, just Justin Fields. Yeah, please say Justin Fields is playing. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins battle out in a NFC North showdown. But let's, uh, yeah, let's try and look at some of these games first off. The first one from last night, the Saints against the Bucks. Colin, last night, I'll, I'll openly say this, I was playing Mark Hogan in Fantasy and he had Leonard Fournette, Godwin, um, and I had Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And midway through the third quarter, I thought to myself, yeah, surely Tom Brady will get it going now. Tom Brady last night was atrocious. And there is, no, like, obviously the Saints defense was superb. 
but he was like a kid in a toy shop that had like a euro and his ma wouldn't give him 20 cents to get something that's what he was like the way he acted last night um i know he'll probably come back we've seen is it is is it goldwyn that's now out for the season with a tour in scl if i got that correct that's yeah uh, regular certainly out for the regular season with a sprained MCL potentially MCL. might be available for the playoffs but nobody's entirely sure as yet don't worry red SCL I could have sworn to see that on Twitter but uh, look obviously fantastic performance for the Saints and the guy that was in for Sean Payton that's something to add to your CV column isn't it yeah uh it, it absolutely is and what a what a just a ferocious performance from the the saints uh kudos to to them um in in terms of the performance that they their defense put in it was just fantastic they um they just didn't give Brady any time whatsoever. If you heard Cam Jordan afterwards, if you saw some of the Saints uh, players, they were loving the fact that Brady took some time out to venture over to their sideline and uh, offer some Christmas greetings. I think uh, maybe they were uh, playing Secret Santa and he was wondering what, uh, what he should get for Sean Payton. But the Saints have their number when it comes to the regular season, 0-4. Obviously, the offseason is where it all uh, really is. But I saw something earlier that said that the Bucks didn't have a snap inside the Saints red zone. Um, the, the closest that they, they came uh, was the 35-yard the line. That is just phenomenal. And um, there's a lot of talk at times in the NFL about coming up with blueprints to, to beat teams. But it's only a blueprint to beat a team if you actually beat the team and if you completely shut them down. And uh, that's what the, the Saints did. It's going to be a really interesting run-in run for them. Um, we had actually been discussing it, uh, whether I think, was that yesterday? That it, It's almost like there's no like dominant, dominant force. And we'll talk about the Packers in, in a little bit. But there's nobody who you really fear. Like It really is a season where anyone can, can beat anyone. And I, I imagine the Saints must be wishing that they had a QB because I don't think anyone is, if they make the playoffs, nobody's going to want to go up against that defense. Yeah, um, it's, um, we welcome in Brian, obviously. So I'll just, uh, I'll let him warm to the room and just continue on that theme. Um, you know, we're used to the Saints having standout performers. Like we thought this was going to be a Lattimore shutting down Mike Evans type of game and seeing what else Brady could do with his other weapons. But they were dominant on all three levels of the game. In the line, linebackers were everywhere, and the secondary was just all over. I think the closest the Bucks came was Tom Brady, of course, fumbling the ball forward when he suddenly thought he was Lamar Jackson for a brief uh, inopportune moment. And of course, the Saints didn't do very much on offense and the Bucks defense kept them in and around the game. But the scoreline is the scoreline, like nine zip, and with no excuse on conditions, no excuse on anything else. I mean, Tom Brady, MVP season, age 44, RIP. Um, there's no way he's getting the MVP after that performance that late in the season. Maybe... Column, your wish will come true, and we will finally have a winner of the most valuable quarterback in the first time since Adrian Peterson in 2012, who is a running back by the name of Jonathan Taylor. But for me, this was a little bit about the weekend of um, unexpectedly strong defense. I mean, the Saints defense has been good. They haven't been that dominant in their previous games. 
The Colts defense on Saturday night, I underestimated. I thought the Pats would have enough to get punted. They were fantastic against the Patriots. And even though they don't have a quarterback, all you get people talking about today is, well, geez, do you want to face Indiana in the playoffs? Like, because they've got that great O-line, they've got Jonathan Taylor, and they've got a super defense there as well. I mean, we all know Carson Wentz and 512 is a different matter. Same thing with Taysom Hill, the tight end turned, running back turned quarterback in various ways. But, you know, all credit to the Saints. They are the green Krypton to Tom Brady's Superman when it comes to the regular season, at least. Of course, last year's postseason game rings true a little bit stronger for him, I'm sure. But I think I remember the stat. Um, Drew Brees is one of only two quarterbacks who had a regular season um, kind of winning record against Tom Brady with at least three games. So the Saints long had a hoodoo over Tom Brady in many ways, but the, the who day definitely have the hoodoo without any voodoo going on. I wonder does put this put Dennis Allen back in the shop window for a potential opportunity to be a head coach again because he's done it twice this year in terms of shutting Brady down. We also discussed during the season when Brady doesn't have his trusted players, he struggles. And he lost a lot of them in this game. And obviously then they're reliant on Gronk. And outside of Gronk, who was he going to go to? Four sacks, one fumble, and an interception. I mean, it's not it's, it's a long time since we've seen those type of numbers. And Saints have offensively like they didn't do anything in the game. They ran for 61 yards, missing two tackles. You know, it looked like a, a shoe in beforehand, but yeah, you have pretty much summed it up. The Saints seem to have his number. And even in that playoff game last year, a lot of people felt that the Saints threw that one away. They were driving in the second half with a lead and they had a score instead of fumbling. Who knows? So look, the books will be there thereabouts, but it's a big swing in terms of the uh the order of magnitude for the playoffs. Like Cowboys have jumped up to number two, which was I'm not sure it'll stay there, but the books have dropped right down. Just for anybody watching on YouTube tonight, there seems to be some sort of uh technical difficulties. I don't know if that's you know, to try and stop Fred from commenting on the Cowboys game, but genuinely I, I don't know what the, the problem is. Sorry about that folks. Colin was actually in control of the buttons so I, I don't know what's going on, Colin, but um it's okay. It's, it's fine. This, it clearly it's going it's about as successful as Ole at the wheel, Michael. <laughs> I think it's I, I think it's I think it's okay in terms of Facebook. I'll, I'll double check let people know. In terms of what wasn't okay, that Bucks offense last night, I mean Rob Gronkowski and Scotty Miller out there obviously, you know, really relies on numerous different people, including veterans like Antonio Brown. Can't wait to see who he's going to bring in. Does he want Ocho Cinco? Let's bring somebody else back in now and try and keep it going, Tom. And I think, yeah, the head coach has kind of slightly juggled his words today in terms of the Antonio Brown return because he said he was going to be dealt with upon his return. Now he's, he's welcoming him back into the fold. No surprise there. Yeah, we, you were discussing it as I came on. It actually has been confirmed in the last hour that Godwin is gone for the season, not just the regular season. Gone. Done. Shut down. God bless. I found it hilarious in the first half last night as well, Brian. Uh, Taysom Hill pretending to be a proper quarterback. I'm joking. Like, just throwing the ball. As he, a, threw, he threw it last week against the Jets, sir. So, you know, I know, but it was, just, it was just funny. Primetime football, Taysom Hill, you're thinking, right, run the ball 60, 70 yards. But, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't a classic and just again thank you tom brady uh you find ways to screw me in ways that i never thought you could so appreciate that and i, I regret slagging brian for winning in his bye week 
in the fantasy semi final. I, I did. Um, Michael, I did see that on his post game presser actually. He he specifically called out and said, like, and I, I want to apologize to all the fancy owners, especially Michael McQuaid, um, for screwing him over. So he cares. He cares. I, I know you don't care about fantasy. Let's uh, let, let's so, so let's make one more point. Like, Godwin's injured yeah, yeah. this season. He's actually a free agent now, and I'm not sure whether they'll franchise him again this year. I don't think he's lived up to the expectations this year. So that tends to happen after a big drop off from the Super Bowl. He's been good, but not to the level of maybe last year. But will he get the money he he'll be looking for? I suppose it's that's an interesting one to come. I'm sure Tom will find a way. Uh, the most interesting thing yesterday was the Lions beating the Cardinals, and not just beating the Cardinals, like they had them. And the way, like, I don't want to give away my pick for next week already, but I've seen that the Lions are playing, they're playing someone next week, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna win that game. Atlanta in Atlanta, I think the camaraderie column with this Lions team is fantastic to watch. Great game for the Lions. I mean, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, where do we start here? Like, they were, what, 10 and 3 coming into this? What a, like, I don't want to say the word, but what a messed up situation they've now landed themselves in, especially for Seton. Yeah, the, the Cards just looked completely out of sorts yesterday. This It, it wasn't a, a fluke result. It, it, this wasn't like the, the underdog kind of, you know, manages to get ahead and um, ju- just kind of is is begging for the the game to, to end. They could be still playing now and, and the Lions are really still putting up points. This was a fantastic performance from the Lions. And if you look, um, you know, there have been a, a lot of um, kind of film breakdown that I've seen today, the way in which the Lions went about their business. They anticipated, they knew what um, the, the cards were going to look to do on offense and they they took it away so i thought that it was really really impressive you saw the the comments afterwards in the the locker room and the camaraderie that is there um from from what uh, i saw uh, mina kimes um tweet so that the the cards defense has to face jonathan taylor um which uh, is going to be uh, quite quite something. They are going to need a serious uh, bounce back. Obviously, I mean, they the loss to, to the Rams, given the way in which they came back, and ultimately you felt it was the penalties that really cost them and you expected them to bounce back against the, the Lions. And maybe they were a, a little bit overconfident, but the, the Lions have definitely grown as the season has gone on. And they've bought into to the Dan Campbell, um, you know his his methods and and his coaching. And you would just have to say it was a, a really really solid performance for the Lions. And um, they executed. They did everything that they wanted to do. And I am. Um, it will be Michael. You're right. Like it will be interesting to see how they can go on to to finish the season and whether they can use this as a kind of a springboard for 2022. I look back at last season, and we discussed it in the season preview show in terms of the Cardinals bringing in experienced players are supposed to alleviate the concern around how they finished the season last year. They won three of the last six games. They dropped off and essentially lost that playoff on the, on the last day, but it was there from last year. I wonder if we're going to see something similar this year because the Rams are obviously now coming with a bit of a run, having, won, having beaten them last week and won the week before that. And they're going up against a Colts team this weekend. will be on a crest of a wave after winning at the weekend. So they were to lose this game three games in a row. Essentially, handing over um, the divisional lead potentially to the Rams 
having only last week looked like they were definitely in the room to be the number one seed. It's a huge fall off. Um, the Cardinals' defense, we did, we haven't touched on it much this season. We speak more about the Chargers, how much they can struggle against the run. Last week, I thought Sonny Michel on Monday night had a really good game for the Rams, and we didn't expect much of him when he went off from the Patriots. Saw similar similar, uh, similar stuff yesterday from the Lions. Great win for the Lions. The, the aftermath in the, in the dressing room was fantastic to see. And yeah, certainly the rallying behind the City and Dan Campbell in particular, what's happened over the past few weeks. For that incident in the area, and then obviously since then, they've really put things together. Like in terms of the team we saw when they played the Bears on Thanksgiving, as opposed to what we saw yesterday in previous games against the Vikings, it's, it's a bit of a turnaround. So great win. Cardinals have a lot to think about. You know, especially this game on Christmas Day, you know, to use game against the Colts. Uh, Brian, I won't hear any blasphemy against Sony Michel, an integral part to one of the Patriots Super Bowl victories. One of the, the only touchdown scorer in that particular Super Bowl, Mark. Well, I mean, the, the only touchdown, exactly. And and a great performance against in all of those games against the Chargers and the Chiefs earlier in the, the run as well. Um, Roberto Duran, though, as I keep saying, Sony Michel is hands of stone. Can't catch a flare pass, screen pass, anything out of the backfield to save his bloody life. But tough runner, and say um, performed well for the Rams the other week. I mean, I take it one stage further for the Cards. It's not just the Colts game that's a problem. The game after that is the Cowboys. Um, the, you know, it doesn't get any easier. They finish the season with the Seahawks. You'd like to think they win, but you know, it's a divisional game, so it's always tested to say the least. Easily go on a four-game losing streak, and we saw a little bit with Pittsburgh last year. 10 no, 11 no, bit untested, lots of question marks about them. And then they had a massive late swoon. You said with the cards before, we saw it last season. Is this another late season swoon? This game was inexcusable to lose, especially those other two games coming up. It was absolutely inexcusable. The performance was inexcusable. They did not show up. I mean, all credit to the Lions. I mean, where were they high version of Jared Goff? Um, had he been hiding under the, the floorboards for the rest of the season? Because you watch him in that game, you let who was the bloke they were wheeling out for the other 14 games of the season. Mark, um, Mark you no longer have that cupboard behind you. So what, were you hiding him there and he escaped? I was. <laughs> yeah, I replaced Gronk with Jared Goff for a while and I kept his doppelganger on the field. But here's the irritating thing for the Lions. You see a game like that and it's almost like that, that, that temptation like the Rams have so long. It's like he... He could do this. You know, we could build around him. This this could work. It's like, you know, don't get sucked into it. He's not the answer. Um, it's like, you know, that that toxic relationship you keep getting drawn back to, trying to convince yourself around it. Um, it's just not happening. It's just not happening. But fantastic performance. They definitely play well. They like their coach. He may be building something there, but a long, 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 long way to go still. But you've got to enjoy these moments when they come up. Um, so, yeah, fair play to the, the Lions and Cards. What is happening? It's a genuine, genuine concern. Yeah, like the Cardinals are reminding me of the time I was sitting scared watching the Panthers against the Cardinals six years ago. Um, oh, no, I don't I don't want to jinx anything. Well, I don't really have any connection to the Cardinals. One and done. Like, they're, they, they're screaming at the minute, boys. They don't have, like... How he played behind Hopkins yesterday, like, is, is mad. I, I actually have something for Brian here and for everybody. There's, I don't know, you've probably seen this, Brian. There's a bit yeah, of breaking yeah. news about Daniel Jones. Yeah, do, do you want to tell us all what's going on? Uh, well, it probably doesn't come as a surprise. He's been declared, you know, finished for the season. You said it a couple of weeks back, Michael, that you felt he'd be 
they be gone. That seems to be the general consensus as the weeks have gone on. Disc disc issues in, in his in the back of his neck. I mean, I don't know if you remember it. David Wilson, running back, that was drafted him in the first round with the Giants, and he ended up finishing his career after two years at the Giants with a similar injury. So it doesn't look, it doesn't bode well for the future. And can you rely on him? Can you take a chance? You won't be getting the fifth year option contract, but well, he'd be getting, you know, as in they won't be picking up to 21 million. But, you know, he could have played his last game. Who knows? I was just going to make the point. The Cardinals, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. You, you said it a few weeks ago, Michael, and I kind of agree with you. Like, the Cardinals do strike you as a team that oh. will, will get into the playoffs and make that step into the playoffs, which, which you were close to getting last year, and then quickly be, be seeing you, you know, after the wild card round, you know. And, uh, yeah. sorry, on the Lions, I just wanted to say, are the Lions doing the Jets? Or sorry, are they doing the yeah, Jets of last year? You know, number one seed yeah. potentially wrapped up and all of a sudden win a couple of games and, oh, God, here we go. We'll end up picking somewhere else in the draft. Well, I mean, who enjoyed yesterday more? Was it the people at Lambeau Field and Packers fans who now seem like they're the only class act in the NFL? I'd go as far as to say that. Or was it, in fact, conversely, Jaguars fans who somehow went from third pick in the draft to first? I mean, you've got to see the, the silver lining in every cloud, guys, don't you? Well, there is a silver lining in Detroit. Well, it's not really a silver lining. It's more like a, a dark lining, a, a depressive lining. Jared Goff has just been placed on the COVID-19 reserve. That's breaking news. That's that's why I was going, lad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That's from Rapsheet himself. Uh, so I'd love to see what the what the over-under line is for the Falcons game on Sunday now. But uh, I so still, still by the NFL the, protocols. You're still picking the Lions there now. <laughs> that changes things. <laughs> Probably I'll see how awake I am come Sunday, but yeah, that's that's breaking news. Uh, Mark, I sort of took you out of your point there. Have you anything else to add, or you just happy eating the Pringles? Or all good? Well, one just while, while Mark is chewing, one thing I would say is that, hey, Brian, I, I, yeah, maybe they are taking themselves, you know, down the draft, but the difference to the Jets from last year is that this is Dan Campbell is there next year. So they are looking to to kind of set that winning culture, whereas the Jets knew there was going to to be a change, uh, and and moving on from Adam Gase. So uh, I I imagine if you're Dan Campbell, you're looking to get as many wins as you can because they their roster is such that they are going to need to bring other people in in free agency, and you want to be able to say, look, we are building something. They've also got two number two first round picks in the draft and. This draft is heavy on defensive ends. Like the this, the stories and conversations out there, you know, you could take one of the top three or four and you'll be satisfied with everyone drops to you. And you know, they're still gonna be picking top five. So maybe it isn't too concerning for them to be losing to sorry, to be winning games at this stage of the season. The next game we're gonna look at is the Packers against the Ravens. Uh, Packers win 31-30. Packers were up the column uh one point by two scores. Ravens came back and took it within uh, one point and Harbour for the second week in a row went for two uh, and it wasn't successful. What was your thoughts on this game? Because I think a lot of people thought it might have been not a dead rubber, but they thought because Lamar Jackson was going to be out, it might not have been as exciting, but Tyler Huntley certainly proved those people wrong. Yeah, I'd seen Huntley in Chicago a few weeks ago and he's a very solid backup. And what they have done is they've been smart in that they have gotten a guy who plays a similar fashion to Lamar. So they, they don't have to totally change things up. Um, you know, hi, Denver. Um, 
so you're when your backup comes in they're going to run a similar system similar plays and what you would say about Tyler Huntley is he went toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers in a shootout and was able to hang about hi Denver and you know that is pretty impressive from uh, a young guy who may well probably won't be uh, with the the Ravens perhaps but I could definitely see him getting a, a shot to potentially start at some point in the the future. I mean, look for for Harbaugh. Um, obviously, coming in in week back to back weeks, um, there'll be questions. But when you consider that you know more than one third uh, are they of their entire salary cap is gone on on IR. Um, the job he's doing there. And to go up against that Packers team that are clinched yet another divisional title under Matt LaFleur. And uh, Mark talked about the other day, they can't, they're not allowed to lose another game, but they might actually go 14 and, and three just with the extra game this year. So uh, look, I, I think I, I can understand the frustrations of the Ravens fans who are there. In some ways I like, that's the kind of coach Harbaugh is. He's going to roll the dice and sometimes it will work and sometimes it won't. But when you consider what he's working with this year and what their record is, I think he's doing a heck of a job. But yeah, the Packers look like, um, you know, the uh, in, in this year's NFL, they look um, the team at the moment. But this is the 2021 uh, NFL season. All things are possible. So I read a report today to say our Harbour is great and you should admire him for his conviction to, you know, because that's what he believes in. He got for two points. Doesn't mean he's right though. I mean, two weeks ago he went for it because he felt, or the story was he felt that his offense wasn't playing well. Lamar Jackson wasn't playing that well and they did get the ball in overtime. They wouldn't be able to move it. But yesterday they were moving it pretty much the entirety of the game by and large. So why wouldn't you take overtime and fight for another day and you've still got the best kicker in the league, arguably? who can kick you a winning field goal in overtime. And we spoke about it, we spoke about it in, in too much detail, and um, maybe used it on the show that I wasn't on the weekend. But on Thursday night, Staley left nine points behind, you know, going for it on fourth down three times. But on the first drive of the game yesterday, the Ravens went for it on fourth down and left three points behind. Those three points there could have could have turned that game. So I'm just, I, I, people are just, stats this and new analytics this, it doesn't work. Doesn't necessarily work all the time because they've lost two games over the past two weeks that potentially they, they might have come out at one and one and come in a very different situation because now they want the last three in a row now. The Ravens, it's 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 gonna be a, yeah three Steelers last week against the Browns this week against the Packers. I mean they could have they could have been taking one or one or maybe two or one out of those three games if they had went a different route. But like yeah he is a great coach and you know most teams in the league and most fans would love to have him as their head coach but. It has to be a time when you have to say, put hold your hands up and say, that's not the right thing to do. Um, look, I, let's not get away from the fact until inexplicably the Packers let the Ravens back into this game in some respects. Like they were dominant all over the, the field. And to me, they have shown themselves this season to be the most complete football team um, so far in the season. I keep saying that's it in January. And I still think Aaron Rodgers is an ass, but still, we will see how this team and whether they stay a team in January when the heat really goes on. But so far, so good. 
guiding in on that number one seed, Bucks losing, every other result going their way, happy days. But now it's time for maths lesson on the Irish NFL show. So we're going to start with a basic probability challenge. So you ever heard of the game show ch game show challenge before, gents? All right. I'm going to give have, you three doors. I have, I have now. <laughs> you have now. I'm going to give you three doors, A, B, and C. Behind one of these doors is a brand new car. Behind the other two are goats. Okay? Which door are you going to pick? When you say goats, Tom Brady's in behind one of those doors. No. Well, I mean, of course, he's the goat. But no, we'll just go with the Billy Goat version. So which door I'll are you going to pick? I'll go whatever door is left over after the two lads going. Just pick one door, guys. This isn't this fucking difficult. Door A. Door A. Sorry, sorry. Um, door A. Okay, I'm going to show you behind door number C that there's a goat. So now I'm going to come back to you, Brian, and give you a choice. Do you change from door A to door B? I'm going to no, give you the choice. You can no, change if you want. Thanks very much. Do you change? No. Well, that's the incorrect answer. Because actually, by changing, you increase your probability by 33%. Because there was a 66% chance that it was behind one of the other two doors, so you should always switch. People don't. Like a, it's a like thing. You should always switch. Always switch. Increase your probability by 33%. John Horbaugh, or, yeah, it was John Horbaugh. I'm trying to remember which Horbaugh was uh, coaching last night. Um, did a right decision in going for a two-point conversion, but at the wrong time. Analytics and the right statistics say he should have gone for it when they went and scored their first touchdown. Because if they get it on their first touchdown, then they only got to get another touchdown and kick the extra point. If they don't get it, they've still got another go at a two-point conversion to actually tie the game and go to overtime. And there's only been one coach, I remember seeing it earlier this season, where they've actually made the right analytical decision in that regard. So, yes, you should go for two, but on the first when you're coming back from 14 points down, not on the second. It's stats, that's analytics, that works. That's just the right call, the wrong time. Sorry, Michael, can I make one more quick point? Um, Mark Andrews had a great game yesterday. Packers never, never, you know, at some stages had the Packers with a double team when they didn't, you know, and they just continued to let them basically dominate. But everybody today, our people at the time watching it, could see they were actually went over and had a conversation with Andrews before the two-point play. I mean, the Packers knew where it was going. Like if, any, if ever it was the time to change it up, that was the opportunity. Oh, one one other point on that. I want to see the coaches film when it comes out on Game Pass, but it did look like someone was coming free along the back line in that. Huntley zoned in on that. Marquise Brown was... Marquise yeah. Brown, it was Marquise Brown coming along the back line. But, I mean, it would have been a good throw to get it to him, but it was definitely possible, far more so um, than Andrews in the circumstances. So could have, would have, should have, I guess, but still couple of things just before I talk about the game. Uh, first off, we distance ourselves from the language used by Mark Cocker on the Irish NFL show with no affiliation with the National Football League. Uh, I want to joke. And I did also promise lads the owner of the Technology Cafe and Navin we give him a shout out. He was very generous to us letting me use uh, his cafe in September. It seems like a long time ago for was it week four, maybe in October. Um, obviously, if you're going to try and get something for Christmas next weekend, folks, try and shop local. Technology Cafe, I would put the promo up, but I haven't got the graphic on me. Some great products there at the minute, and we're obviously proudly presented by Trust Gaming as well. And thank you very much to the lads down in Mavin there. Um, in terms of, you know, we're talking about Mark Andrews there, like, yeah, like two or three things stood out to me yesterday watching the game, like, like and, and being there. He is built like a proverbial 
shit house. He, he is, and there, there's no other way of coming away from it. I know when I thought, you know what, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. But he is, and that's what I said to the person beside me whenever I seen him. I, he's huge. But not just that, he's, he's unreal. He is. He's so, so good. Um, anything I've ever said negatively about Aaron Rodgers, I, I now take back. That man's an absolute G. After seeing him in person, he's just so, he's so cool. He's so good. But in terms of the two-point thing, I don't agree with whatsoever. You see guys, I said it, I think, when Colin was here, before you boys came in, um, you know, see Tony Dungy yapping on last night about how, how, how good of a decision it was. I mean, just take the point and go to overtime. Saying, oh, it's, oh but it's a coin flip. I bet you're giving yourself a, a chance. Like, there's a chance the Packers, if they get the coin flip, go down and, and, and hit a field goal. You know, like this this whole stuff about, oh, just just go for it now and get over with a white. Is the voice on at 8 o'clock? Have you got a pizza coming at half eight or something? Just just play on. Oh, ah, really, really frustrating. Like, But in terms of the actual situation there and then, like you're saying there about the Packers knew what was going on, the Ravens lined up to go for the two-point conversion. And I, I would speculate that there was as much as 25 or 30 seconds went by where Huntley came in and out. And you're sort of thinking, are, are they going for it? What's going on? I, I don't know. I don't think it was a timeout. but Or, or something happened. And when they ran back on again, there was, in the area I was sat in, there was confusion. There was people going, oh my God, they're actually going for it. Hold on here. Like, what are that? I can only compare the situation when it wasn't successful to that of a week where somebody walks in and they shouldn't be there. And people visibly upset. I, I don't know what the hell hard was that. I, Michael, did, I don't sorry, agree. With, I thought I thought it was good last night, but I, I don't agree with that. No, sorry, Michael. I think you'll just might explain exactly what you're talking about there because there's actually a report literally gone in on the phone where Harbaugh has come out today at the press conference and said he went for it because the players told him to go for it. They felt they could get the winner, and that might kind of row in what you're saying there around the back and forth. He thought they were going for the extra point. The players obviously went off and said, "Come on, we fancy the two point here." That could lead. It was definitely a momentum swing, absolutely, and and there was definitely a feel that they could do it, but I just. I would have, I would have went to overtime. Yeah. So so two quick things on that, Michael. I mean, they obviously lined up trying to get the uh, Packers to jump offside to get the extra yard closer, and that was all planned. They take the time out, then go over, and as Brian said, then Harbour said, like, no, then the players convinced that we should go for it. We shouldn't just fake it. We should actually go for it. But you mentioned the point that. There was still 42 seconds left on the clock, and the Packers, I think, had all three timeouts left, or at least had a couple of timeouts left. You know, kicking the point didn't guarantee overtime. And the other thing that always goes unmissed with these two-point attempts to win the game, you've still got one more chance. And it's a small possibility, I know, but you've still got the chance of collecting the, uh, the, um, the onside kick. Um, with the best kicker in the game, of course. So it's not like it's completely dead and buried in relation to it. Um, you know, as I say, they should have gone for it, but on the first touchdown, not the second touchdown. That's what it was all about. And I, Michael, sometimes um, on, the, on the show, you point out about QBs you'd like to see in Denver. I would love uh, Harbaugh in Denver. He would be phenomenal. Just to highlight what the Ravens were missing yesterday was their starting quarterback, their top three running backs, one of their starting wide receivers, Pro Bowl fullback, Pro Bowl left tackle, starting left guard, starting right uh, tackle, Pro Bowl D-line, starting D-line, two of their Pro Bowl cornerbacks, um, and their top two safeties. 
and they still come up with a performance. And everybody deals with injuries, absolutely. But it's how you deal with injuries and how and how you do it. And so some of that definitely factors into, I think, Harbaugh's decision is, I just need to get these guys off the field because I, I can't risk any more injuries. What am I going to have to field? And um, look, the, the Packers stood up to it. Baltimore is not an easy place to go and, and get a result. And uh, all it looks like, you know, probably more set than the AFC. All roads go through Lambeau to go to the Super Bowl. Colin, if he keeps going for these, sorry, man. sorry go on, go on. if he keeps going for these two point conversions, he won't need those players in January. That's for sure. Sorry. I I look at uh, no, you're fine. It's just a bit. There's a bit of a delay on my side. I look at Tyler Huntley and the way he's played the last two weeks, and I ask myself, do I give Lamar Jackson twenty three million next year? We can talk about that for seven months, but um, yeah. The next game is the Steelers against Titans. Did you know Ben Roethlisberger has never lost his first home game after a live-action movie starring Spider-Man being released? 2004, 2007, 2012, 2014, 2017, 2019, and now 2021. All I can think of is Mike Rabel's face. So many memes, but uh, Steelers get it done, Colin. Yeah, well, uh, in, in, in the long list of head coaches I'd love to see in Denver, uh, Mike Tomlin is um, a magician. Um, again, what he, you know, what he's been able to kind of get out of that Steelers side, the defense showed up. I We've talked about it. I think, you know, look, losing Derrick Henry is an enormous blow. Uh, he's the, the best running back in the league. He was on course for an incredible year, obviously. But Tannehill looks all out of sorts. He really does. And uh, said it, they give up um, like uh, sacks in spurts. If you get to Tannehill early, it just seems to rock him completely. Obviously not helped by the um, injuries and Julio picking up uh, another uh, injury yesterday. But it's got to be... Um, enormously frustrating they what fumbled five times and and lost three of them and obviously the the interception as well the the Steelers offense has all sorts of issues and it was field goals and the defense that won the the day for them uh, but going up against a, a division leader um they, they they got it done I thought you know going into the game with their backs to the wall and, and in um, Pittsburgh, they would do it. And and, and so it proved. But for the, the Titans, they cannot get Derrick Henry back quick enough. And the end of the regular season cannot co come quick enough because if it went on for another few weeks, the Colts would potentially be in with a good shot of, of catching them. They were about to stumble over the line, but they might get quite the shot in the arm if Derrick Henry can, can come back. It was funny, you know, when they were at, at the beginning um, in the yesterday and they were kind of in the ascendancy, all the commentary was around, oh, like this is fantastic. And imagine what this side is going to be like with Derrick Henry, They'll, you know, another dimension. They desperately need him back because right now they're without any dimension. Said earlier in the weekend, when we were doing, it was towards the show. I felt this weekend was quite significant in the AFC. I, I picked Chiefs, I picked the Colts, and I picked the Steelers here because I just felt having watched the highlights again of that uh, 
Titans game last week against the Jacks, 20 0, but offensively they didn't do very much. And that's pretty much the Con's point. They don't seem to be playing the way they were in the season. You know, when Derek Henry went down, they had that big game in LA. But I think as the season's progressed, you know, a player like Derek Henry, you're out to miss him. I thought what was really impressive was the fact that I know it's not a massive score to be down by 10 points, but Steelers' season is a bit up and down. They're down by 10 points. A lot of players could have just said, look, this is gone. We're playing against a team going for the the moment and see if they didn't they kept going and that's more so i suppose because of the coach that they have and like if the game could have played out as a thought didn't see a high scoring game didn't see the Steelers putting up huge numbers either i just felt they were grinded out and you know no more grind than a fourth down at the end where the it's inches in terms of whether it's a fourth down or not and yeah mike frable's face was something to behold but a big win for the Steelers and the titans just need to keep an eye on that coast team coming very quickly behind them yeah, Sean of weapons behind the leaky offensive line. Brian Tannehill looked a lot like Tom Brady yesterday. Um, that's the one of the rare occasions you mentioned the two of them in the same sentence, other than Brian Tannehill beating Tom Brady in the playoffs. I'll say it before any of you do. Um, but uh, look, the Titans are hobbling, squeaking, bumbling, stumbling along. I, I just concur with what Colin said. Like, this is one to give all the credit to Mike Tomlin. What he's patching together there. They've had injuries to beat the band on their defensive side all through the season, bear in mind. I mean, it's been sticky back plastic uh, and plaster, sorry, to, to get them close enough and gelled enough. Now they're getting into a bit of health on that side. They're, you know, piecing together something on the offense. I mean, look at yesterday. Najee Harris, 12 carries for 18 yards. Um, there was no running game. There was no offense, really. But still... Tomlin manages to piece it together. The players manage to execute the plan and the Steelers march on. Um, you know, I, do I think they make the playoffs? No, I don't think they will. But they're certainly giving a good rattle and definitely a good rattle at keeping Tomlin's amazing streak of always having a winning record or at least a 500 record in a season alive. Um, they'll need surgery in the offseason, but fair play to them. And the Titans, talk about the card stumbling. I mean, this is... Bumbleland now, and the 14-team playoff uh, scenario is definitely going to have a couple of duds or people coming in on a very, very cold streak, to say the least. I still think the Titans can do it. There's still a lot of games left. It was like three games left. Look, you never know. Uh, and look, we ha- this, this is the thing, and I hope you boys are going to do because I'm, I'm going off here in a minute. There was a game on Saturday night, and I hope that's going to be addressed because Brian did mention about the Colts there. I'm sure you'll give that game its due worth because, my God, um, seen a lot of comments about the Titans. There's there's other teams in the league that are stuttering at the minute as well. So very much looking forward to watching that from an Uber in about 20 minutes. Can we very quickly look at uh, game picks ahead of the Cleveland Browns or the COVID Browns going up against the Las Vegas Raiders? Raiders um, game. This, this game was supposed to be on Sunday, wasn't it? Saturday night. No, Saturday night, NFL Network doubleheader, and it kicks off in 30 minutes. 5 p.m. Eastern? I don't even know what time it is anymore. What time is it over at home? Half nine? 5 p.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock here, yeah. Lovely. And the game is on Sky Sports as well. Well done, Sky Sports. Appreciate NFL Network, so brilliant. Uh, Six and seven, seven and six. Column, who do you have in this wonderful matchup? 
Well, this is one that got pushed back, but it doesn't appear to have made too much difference to the Browns. I think they got to activate one player off of the COVID list today. Kevin Stefanski is still out. Um, they're they're still um, down their quarterbacks, and they're they're missing a whole uh, load of players. The the Raiders, I mean, the it has been a, a season to forget for all sorts of terrible uh, reasons, but they they are, have the opportunity to go back to seven hundred or to five hundred to seven and seven. Uh, this evening, I think they will, just given everything that the the Browns are missing, and I think that that will put the the Steeler or the Raiders back to five hundred, and the Raiders and the Broncos probably fighting it out for the third and fourth positions in the AFC West. If there was ever a game where the bookmakers chasing their tail, this is the one. The Browns started minus three last week. Then that flipped to minus three for the Raiders because of the COVID situation on Saturday. Then with the game being moved, it went back to the Browns being minus three because they felt that the Browns were going to get all these players back not to be, and now it's back to the Raiders minus three. So the bookies haven't got a clue. I say a lot of people have got a clue about how this game is going to go, but I think the Raiders are fortunate to fall in a situation where um, they'll probably in all likelihood win this game because of the amount of players that are out on the Browns. The only thing that would encourage the Browns, I, I suppose, obviously it's, they want to win anyway, but if they were to win this game, they would go top of the division. So there's a huge momentum there for them, but I just can't see it because of the amount of players. That's out. And Nick Mullen, who, yeah, he's probably the best toward quarterback in the league on a roster, but I don't think he's going to have enough against the Raiders offense that on their day can be explosive, and I think they'll find a way to get the win. So Raiders for me as well. Michael, you weren't listening earlier on when I brought up the Colts-Pats game and lauded the Colts offense and defense and Jonathan Taylor and everything, but don't worry. You want to talk about bumbling teams. I'm sure we'll get to Denver and their four and seven record. That's why I'm leaving this year on the team. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. We'll get to the bumbling teams. But look, these are two teams that have been bumbling through the entire season, frankly. The Raiders started hot, looked like you know they might uh, be able to unite around a unique set of circumstances, to say the least. Um, but it just hasn't happened. And they're falling off a cliff like they had, like they did last season, like they have in other seasons. Uh, with or without Chucky. Um, and the Browns, I mean, is it a good thing that Baker Mayfield isn't playing? I mean, if Case Keenum, uh, um, yeah, it is Case Keenum, isn't it? Sorry. No, uh, no, Nick Mullen. No, Keenum. Who's their backup again? Nick Mullen. It was at the 49ers is going to play. Nick Mullins, but no, Case Keenum would have played, but he's yeah, gone sorry. over the yeah, yeah. That's one. Of so it, would it have been a Case Keenum playing over Baker Mayfield, an upgrade? I think maybe it would be, but unfortunately they're both out. And as you say, Nick Mullins is playing. Leeds United played a game at the weekend, and my friend described it that it was, well, Arsenal beat them 4-0. So when I phoned him to gloat, he said, hey, we had seven first-team players and a bunch of kids off CBBs, which was a brilliant line. And unfortunately, the Browns have the same excuse. It's not quite kids off CBBs, but it's certainly a third-line, fourth-line, fifth-line option. Um, they did it earlier in the season to Ernest Johnson stepping in when Chubb and Hunt were both unavailable, but there's just too many players missing, too much disruption. It's the Raiders all the way. I feel sorry for NFL Network that had this advertised for weeks as a Christmas, or not Christmas, like a Saturday doubleheader. And, and I had said on the show the other night, I was trying to get to Indianapolis. I'm really annoyed I didn't after the other night. 
would have been nice, nice game to watch. I actually, do you know, <laughs> I fell asleep in the third quarter of the Patriots. I have no idea what happened. They were 20, 20 nil down. And I woke up and was like, oh, okay. Well, the score was what at one point? So I'm glad I fell asleep. I had to go watch it back again. This game tonight, um, or this afternoon or whatever, is, is interesting because, you know, nobody's given the Browns a chance here. But the reality is, like, you know, We've gave it. We've we've gave Baker Mayfield enough guff, and we've give Case Keenum, Case Keenum enough guff as well on this show. If Nick Mullins goes in tonight, and if that offense can do enough in the sense of they get the ball, like maybe um, David Njoku, and there's another guy as well. His name's out of my head. Ah, um, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant. These are like sleeper fantasy guys from three years ago. They never do enough, but tonight could be the night that they actually play up. The reality is this is all on Nick Chubb and a combination of the Browns stopping that Raiders offense. The Raiders are the most inconsistent team that I'm aware of, apart from the own team that I support. So I am taking the shock. I'm taking Chubby, Chubby, Chubb, Chubb with two rushing touchdowns. Mullins over 200 yards passing. Njoku with a passing touchdown. And the Browns to win it 24 to 21. And... If anything, I get like I know the Ravens didn't have as many COVID cases as the Browns do, nowhere near enough. But the Ravens, albeit with a better quarterback, had like 12 or 13 players out yesterday and still nearly beat the Packers. Anything's possible. It's the Raiders, and I don't like the Raiders, so I'm picking the Browns. Browns fans, the curse has been struck. And that, that's me. You can do Bears Vikings at the end. I mean, don't worry about that game. It's grand. It's grand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully the bread. Like, if the Bears win this game tonight, it might it might be interesting. Just before I go off, I should probably say a massive thanks to the Baltimore Ravens organization, top class organization, the way everyone was handled yesterday, and a thanks in advance to the the Bears this evening. Colin, please tell me there's you know a good feed up here now. Yeah, good spot. Ah. Uh so soldier field is uh top class and um one of the the storied franchises you will really enjoy the experience and uh when it comes to the the food there there certainly is plenty of it and if unlike me your body can actually deal with gluten you won't go hungry i guarantee you that mark cockrell wouldn't go hungry well the food's good but the football's horrible is that basically what you're saying there colin but no, Michael, if you want to win friends and influence people, there's a great um, stat. They've got an article up on ESPN.com at the moment, but a great stat about QBR rating. And they've tracked QBR since 2006. And they're basically saying the worst ever QBRs over a season. Okay, worst ever um, in all that time. You've got Jimmy Clawson, Blaine Gabbert, Josh Rosen, and then a double 2021 treat, Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. So if you want to win friends and influence people in Chicago there, I suggest you just float that around the stadium. Any Chicago Bear fan, just share that. That is on a historic pace um, of ineptitude. And I'm sure it will go down really well in the stadium. I will be the idiot tweeting at 3 a.m. I'm looking forward to it. I know you boys are staying up. Big game. Absolutely. I, I, I can't believe there weren't any Broncos QBs on that list, Mark, to be honest. I was waiting for it. I was like, Drew Locke, Teddy Britton. Um, yeah. But 
very very best look for you. I think he's, you're going to have an impromptu show tomorrow night. I'll I'll try and do what Colin done and pop on from the airport. I, I can't guarantee it. My main priority is just to get back into the country in a minute, boys. So uh, see us in a bit and uh, enjoy the game tonight or the games tonight. I'm just going to talk really slowly that it kicked off. Yeah. Well, we'll One last thing: on. if Tom Palacero is on, Mark, I'm going to tell him that was you that said about the mouse or about the trousers or what. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's at the game tonight, but I'm going to. Try and get Let's him on I defended his honor basically with uh, um, his colleague. Try to remember who was on, but anyway, Michael, enjoy the game tonight. We'll continue with the Sunday wrap up, and then at the very end, we will wrap up with the Bears Vikings. So, good luck and enjoy the game. Good luck, Michael. Right, right. then, continuing right. on the games, then, gents. Um, Texans versus Jags is one we should probably touch on, if only briefly, just because of the monumental impact of the game. The good times didn't necessarily flow back to Jacksonville, but they did end up with number one pick after the game finished. Colm, um, why was it wasn't just all urban then? There's still other problems in Jacksonville. Yeah, evidently it wasn't uh, all urban. It uh, was also the I saw a tweet saying yeah, that that uh, talent deficit uh, also played a significant part. Um, you would have to question how how they beat the the Bills, but they they somehow managed it. Uh, but in in fairness to to the Texans, I suppose they, for me, what I took away from this is there is going to be a playoff team that regrets not trading for Brandon Cooks uh, because he is a, a serious weapon and doesn't seem to matter who the QB is. He uh, he manages to, to get open and he uh, his pace uh, leaves uh, def- defenders just kind of trailing. So I, I it, it was an interesting one. Obviously, this was a battle about probably the, the number one overall pick, but it we all kind of thought, oh, definitely the Jags will surely get some sort of bounce. And that wasn't just our show. This was like league-wide. Everyone thought, surely, you know, they, they'll they they'll get the, the bounce off of this. But no, it wasn't to, to be. And uh, the, the Texans get the win and uh, with uh, Davis Mills as, as well. So <laughs> I for, for the Jags, where, where to next? And um, I saw a lot of, of talk about uh, Byron Leftwich uh, this uh, in the past couple of days. I'm really intrigued after the Urban Meyer debacle, what way they'll go on uh, in terms of the next head coach. Um, <clears throat> aside point from the game, I don't know if you've read Urban Meyer's press statement that came out yesterday or the interview in which he done basically saying he was heartbroken and he was devastated and it was one of the most significant roles he's had. In his career and he wants people to you know see that he did really want to make it work all that he was you'd expect him to say and i actually thought then of david cully because going into the season we were all very critical of how the texans were running the running the show in particular the owners and also the gms coming to the page but we haven't had any situation like the way the jags have been on the season and what i mean by that is very few players if anybody has come out given out about the texans they've had a difficult season they've already won a few games but everybody, you know, for large parts, they're a poor side, but for the majority of the games where they could be in it, they were in it, and essentially because of the coach that was there. And we all thought he was a, a one-hit wonder. He'd be there this year and gone. I don't believe he's going to be gone at the end of the season. They've got a lot of rebuilding. But it's nice to see a team who struggled all season go out and have a performance like that against a team, essentially, who's gone the complete opposite way. 
you know, in terms of the struggles and all the things that have come with that. So, yeah, good win for the Texans. And back to what we said at the start of the season, they'll probably win four games this season. Why do you know three? They might get one more yeah. before the season's out. I think that's what well, we well, said Almost bang on, Brian, but I still think Cully's one and done. And there's still the going, yeah? question for the entire franchise is, what do we do with a problem like Deshaun Watson? Well, I think that's a given, but I don't think Cully will be the one that takes the hit, you know, in that situation because others in the organisation have ran the place ragged. He's been left with nothing and he's done a reasonably good job. Can't see why to get rid of him. Who's going to take yeah. that job? Look, I said um, it, it was a weekend where certain teams had a very, very good weekend. I mean, I mentioned we mentioned the Packers. You could say the Texans, you know, kind of getting another win, being happy, although they messed up the draft position a little bit. But maybe one of the sweetest wins of the weekend is if you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Because not only did your win launch you into the playoff places, and in fact, the, the head of the AFC North, but it actually knocked the Ravens entirely out of the playoff seedings at the same time. So that double whammy was very nice. Very enjoyable for them in a bit of a turgid affair, let's be honest about it, 15-10. But they, the team that lost that game column, I forget who they were playing again, 10-something? Um, yeah, not, I'm not particularly surprised. And um, you, the, the Broncos show once again on the offensive side of the ball, just horrific just awful and it doesn't matter who's at QB I mean it, it's hard to believe that Broncos country had a civil war over Teddy Bridgewater and you know good to see Teddy's out of hospital and getting well but Teddy's not a franchise QB in the league Drew Locke is not a franchise QB in the league it doesn't matter who the Broncos put in at that QB they they just don't score points and te to score 10 at home is just appalling in, in 2021. The Bengals got it done and um, aided and abetted uh, by the the Broncos offense that just struggled to to move the ball and some terrible play calling um, by uh, Pat, Sher Pat Shermer, who just continues to, to baffle. Um, you, you called it out earlier, Mark, and I did comment. Uh, Tip the Bengal um, was disgusted by Bradley Chubb's behavior. And yeah, he's he's right. But I did uh, say it last night that there's no excuses for it. So I don't think anyone in Broncos country is making uh, any excuses. It wasn't right. It, sh it shouldn't have done it. It did have, and I'm not saying it because of the page, it did have shades of Ron, uh, Gronkowski a few years back is what it reminded me of. And um, I think probably... A bit of frustration that you were you were seeing there. Chubb had a, a number, apparently a number of run-ins with teammates over the course of the summer. So it's something that can simmer, but it's just not acceptable for him to do that. For the Broncos, another franchise where you know, they, hey, look, it's it, given the seventh seed. It's the seventh seed that has allowed this to kind of hang about. This is a team that if they if they stumbled into the the playoffs, they they like how many points could they realistically score against you know some of the um, better teams? They, it's it's back to the drawing board for me. It can't come quickly enough for for the Bengals. I think they have um, they they still have work to do. But Joe Burrow is in stark contrast to what the Broncos have had over the last five years. He is a franchise QB, and uh, he if they can put the pieces around him, they could go on to, to build uh, quite a successful <clears throat> team there, I think. 
Going into this game, I picked the Bengals because, albeit the bottom were on the same record, I felt having watched them, albeit the last two games in our home, the 49ers and the Chargers, they, re- they came back very strong in that Chargers game for losing. Similar enough last week, I felt they, as the season has gone on, seem to be better positioned to go to the playoffs rather than the Broncos. And I think that's a fair point in which Colin has made. This seventh seed is thrown open for a lot of teams. I mean, the Steelers are what are they, seven. 771 or whatever it is, and they're still hanging around. So, yeah, I can understand why people would still feel that that game yesterday was a wild card game potentially, but I felt that this, the right team won in terms of who's going to come out of the season as, you know, in terms of what they believe is a successful season and obviously trying to go in the right direction. You know, I felt in a weird way the Broncos' season was summed up by that play in the fourth quarter. Lock fumbles it. You know, you've got a quarterback situation all year long, you know. Is Teddy the right guy in the long run? Probably not. Locke certainly isn't. You then get the ball back. <laughs> you then get the, you, you fumbles, you get the ball back only to have that. It was reversed again. You know, the season, there's so many ups and downs. Sometimes it looks like it's going in the right direction. Then it quickly goes the wrong direction. Um, look, it's a difficult, difficult game because they were there for it was there for the winning. It, it, you know, you could say for large parts. And when Drew Locke threw that touchdown, they went 10 9 up. I thought. Maybe the momentum was changing, but they quickly eroded that, that touchdown to Tyler Boyd very quickly, which was a huge giveaway. Brandon Wynn is just taking the lead. Look, Bengals are top of the division. They'll be keen on this season's game. Next week for the Broncos, it's the Raiders, and now it's really, you know, who finishes best within the division. I know. Well, well, Brian, we were calling out, and that's an underrated aspect of this game, we're calling out the Who Dat Nation with the Saints earlier on, the Who Day Nation. The Bengals fans, like, who day on offense because they didn't turn up either. This was a close game because Mixon wasn't dominating. Joe Burrow is a talent, but he was 157 yards. Like they were struggling. When I say this was tough sledding, this was super tough sledding. And so the Bengals will need that offense to click a lot better than it did against the Broncos, um, who in fairness, Colin, I'm not saying this to have a pop, but have had a bit of an overrated defense this year. They've been exploited at times. The Bengals should have been able to move the ball better than they did. They won the game, but you can't take solace out of like saying it was a comprehensive performance or something, anything like that. So they need to up their game further if they want to make a splash in the playoffs. And on a serious note, yes, I called out the Bradley Chubb thing, and you're absolutely right. It did remind me of the Rob Gronkowski hit on Tredavious White which is why I say I can't wait for his suspension because they're the exact type of hits that should be legislated out effectively by the NFL. Like a fine isn't going to do it on that. You've got to send that message. They did that to Gronk before. I think they should do it to Chubb. Um, and especially with the week that's in it, few things that happened this week. You see what happened to Teddy Bridgewater. You see Donald Parnham on um, Thursday night in the Rams game. And then even the very um, heartbreaking news for Ryan Kelly, who lost uh, the Colts center, who didn't play in the Colts-Pats game. Uh, he and his wife sadly lost their unborn child. And Belichick, when he did his post-game press, it was the first thing he called out. It was like, you know, our hearts go out to Ryan Kelly. Sometimes there's little things that do remind you, hey, it's more than just a game as well. There's more important things uh, than this. Like Bill Paisley, I'm sorry, uh, Bob Paisley got it wrong. Uh, you said football isn't a matter of life and death. It's much more important than that. He's wrong. There's much more important things than football at times. Um, and this weekend and some of those injuries and things happening just remind you of that as well. Uh, yeah. And the, obviously, um, you know, that is very true, Mark. What I found interesting was like 
Well, and we've talked about it. NFL officiating has got to do better. The nothing happens on the the chub play, and Tim Patrick gets called for for taunting. Like they're they're spending so much time on on taunting. The real stuff is is getting missed, and they this is a league that does so many things right. And the kind of like I, I've talked about it, I've praised the competition committee in terms of what they've done around parity and they continue to do that really well. But they have got to sort out officiating because it has got to improve. I know right now ratings are through the roof, but eventually people are just going to get annoyed if like they keep missing stuff, if the inconsistency is there, if you don't know week to week what is roughing the passer, what's a cash, the catch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing I'd say on the taunting is there is a bit of consistency there. So he got taunts, he got called Jesse for pointing at the at the player. And Hilaire did a similar against the Cowboys uh, in Kansas City a few weeks ago. Exact same kind of scenario, pointed flag calls. So at least it's at least it's not a case of one's called one week and the other isn't. Uh, Colin, speaking of uh, Cowboys, um, we haven't got the to come to come up, but Fred has actually sent a note into us saying, Is there any chance Colin would move, which which I would call to the dark side and support the Cowboys? So, um, you get a bit of a playoff run, might be more than done though. Well, well, just before we get on to the Cowboys and AOB of any other games, the final one I just want to mention on the uh, the refs. Um, he was not, I have to preface this with making excuses in any way, shape, or form. But Bill Belichick did call out in his press conference the scuffle that occurred in the Colts-Pats game. Had no issue with the two players being ejected, but he asked a pretty legitimate question when you look back on it. He said, why wasn't T.Y. Hilton ejected? Because T.Y. Hilton pushes over a referee. Yeah, it's an yeah. automatic ejection. It's, yeah. it's blatant as hell. And Belichick is like, he's like, you know, this isn't the reason we lost the game. But he's like, genuinely, New York has looked at that. And how have they not come to a determination on that? So to your point about consistency of officiating column doesn't get more consistent even when new york spends multiple minutes looking at something to try and get right so um anyway and again let me reiterate fair play to the colts well-deserved win very deserved i'm not making any excuses as a pats fan i'll just have to take my seven game winning streak and put it in the the back cupboard um gents other games that went on the weekend, obviously, you know, maybe less intense than the games we looked at, but there's obviously storylines in every NFL game. Any other comments or any other business you want to raise in relation to the weekend? Well, I kind of touched on it earlier. Sorry, Colin, I'm just jumping ahead here. But um, the Cowboys have moved up to number two seed, and uh, I joked that it could be one and done. I certainly think they need to get that offense working again. Dak Prescott seems very off. Um, he struggled. It's been called up. He's been struggling for a few weeks. I watched majority of the Giants game yesterday with Red Zone on at the same time. And like the Giants defense played well again yesterday. They've been playing consistently well for the past while. I know last week in LA they got the doors blown off them, but played well yesterday. He held the Cowboys to 21 points. Pardon me saying, is that because the Cowboys are struggling or because the Giants defense is actually holding, holding their own? Um, but I think for the Cowboys, who are now as having jumped up to the number two seed and potentially will play. I think it's Washington or Saints. Saints are there at the moment. Washington will bump, jump back into seven, or even the Eagles might jump back into seven. Um, you know, they, they may get an easier game on one card weekend, but you know, will they go all the way unless they get back to that offense we saw earlier in the season when they were putting up 30 odd points? I don't see it. Um, I think even Fred, our loyal Cowboys fan, has even called it up today in a bit of social ribbing, shall we say, of the fact that the Cowboys beat the Giants. It was, I mean, in a 
It was a, a strange week. I think I saw Scott Hansen tweeting that at one, like it might have been the fewest or amongst the fewest touchdowns um, that they've had uh, in the, the red zone era, which is, is quite something. The, the Dolphins find ways to, to get it done. And I think that may be the story of the AFC East, if you're, you're going to uh, look at, at things. The Patriots have found ways to win. The Bills at times have found ways to, to win. It hasn't always been pretty. And the same now with the, the Dolphins. They uh, go out and uh, have you know quite the, the, the run of games. So it'll be interesting. I think there's obviously a, a small matter of a big game next weekend, Mark, that uh, will decide that particular division. Uh, but I, I think you have to give credit again to Brian Flores and what he's doing. He's finding ways to win. And it is um, after the start that they had, it's quite the turnaround for the Dolphins. Here, here, like one and seven to seven and all, uh, seven equal, equal. It probably won't get him into the playoffs still. Uh, looks like in the AFC, you're going to need 10 wins at least. Um, but it certainly keeps him in the conversation. Um, when we could touch on the other two games we didn't touch on, the Bills and Panthers, uh, 49ers and Falcons, to me, follow very similar patterns. It looked like the Bills and the 49ers were going to make hard going of those games. They were going to leave an inferior team around. And then they eventually woke up, put the foot down a lot more, uh, and drove things home, um, both winning almost by identical saw lines for the 31-14, 31-13, uh, I believe, in the game. So um, kind of similar patterns. Bills obviously will be going to the playoffs one way or the other, uh, and the 49ers very much in prime position, keeping their noses ahead in that wildcard race, and maybe still an opportunity to catch up on the, the Rams and potentially the Cards. I can't see them necessarily winning the division, but they'll be uh, a decent enough record. And again, like the Colts, maybe that team people don't really want to face in the playoffs. But for me, gents, the start of the weekend, we are now about to close out week... 15 of the NFL, and so far we still only know one team for sure who has made the playoffs. Only one team is secure. That is the Green Bay Packers in their playoff spots. We can imagine a few more will make it quite comfortably, but just shows the uh, league parity that they all strive for um, is certainly a well and live alive at this point in time. Um, gentlemen, with that, though, we'll turn to a game which doesn't involve parity, which doesn't involve any kind of, well, <laughs> on one side of the ball, potentially quality, and another side of the ball is as schizophrenic as it gets. The late game tonight on Monday Night Football, not our rescheduled Raiders-Browns game, but the true, if you like, Monday Night Football, the Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field and the Chicago Bears, re-energizing, restarting their ages-old rivalry in the NFC North. Strange stat, no one who's ever won the NFC North has actually won the Super Bowl. I saw that today, which was a random one because the Bears won after realignment. And when the Packers won, they won as a wild card when they created the NFC North. So, you know, if you're a Packers fan, there's the curse for you. You're going to win the NFC North, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. But these two teams won't win the NFC North. One of them allegedly has to win this game. Colm, can you break it down for us and what do you expect to see and who you got to win? Well, look, Mark, it's been obviously a crazy almost two years now in the COVID pandemic. Uh, we have seen so much happen across the globe. We've seen so much happen in the NFL world. 
uh, in this season. And yes, the biggest surprise or the biggest shock I had in these last two years was Brian O'Leary messaged me one day last week saying, Matt Nagy, there's talk that he might get to stay on as Bears head coach. I I nearly dropped the phone. I could not believe it. And that it makes I, I I just don't get it. I like I think the Bears have talked about it. They're a storied franchise. I really like them. I think they have a my unlike you, I think they have some talent there. I really do. Um you 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 look at what they have. I think he is an albatross around this team's neck. And I think the sooner he's gone, they can actually begin to develop Justin Fields. Uh, they can be begin like he had he's just wh- where do you begin with with Nagy and, and everything that he gets wrong it every time I I feel like every time Vance Joseph stepped in the microphone I cringed it's got to be the same for Bears fans because you just know it's going to be terrible he's probably going to roll back on it within 24 hours Andy Dalton is our starter Justin Fields our starter oh we're back to to Andy I know Justin is back in again I mean, like, you know, I talk about QB hokey cokey. Matt Nagy does it across the, the board. It's that he's the reason um that the, the Bears are at, at four and nine, because I think they have talent to be a lot better than they are. I and and on the other side, you've Mike Zimmer, who I think at this point is holding back the, the Vikings. I think there's serious talent there. I think they have in Justin Jefferson one of the top weapons in the league he is absolutely fantastic and i think that the vikings are still in with a shot given everything that's gone on they're still in with with a shot of of making the playoffs i think they will have enough uh tonight to to get the win to go back to 500 and to make it interesting over the course of the last three games so it's vikings for me so to shed a little bit of light on that situation, and this kind of to me shows the dysfunction of the Bears. They want, and you may remember this player, Mark Trace Armstrong, who played for the Bears a long, long time ago. They want him to be the football head of football operations and essentially come in and re, and figure out where the problems lie with the Bears. And that potentially would involve getting a new head coach. He now is actually a coaching agent and he represents Jim Knight. <laughs> so what are you going to do? You're going to fire your own clients? No. So if he takes over, I can see why Jim Nagy would be given another year. And it just doesn't make any sense. Why would you even do that? His whole role is compromised straight away. You know, he represents the head coach as an agent, but he's going to be the head of football operations. Come on, give me a break. Mike Florio was the one who ran with that story that he felt that they might just leave it as it is and give him run it back for another year because they've no fourth round pick um, next year. So where's the rebuild start? I'm going to go with the Vikings in this game, but I'm not convinced, actually, to be honest. I think this game will be a lot closer than people will think because we saw um, last week the Bears did a reasonably good game. They had a reasonably good game in, in Lambeau against the Packers. I know the Packers won by 15 points in the end. Quite a lot closer than people thought. I know there was that crazy uh, second quarter where there was 25 points, I believe, marks up like that. It was an NFL record. But um, maybe it was the Packers special teams who kept dysfunctioning all night that allowed the Bears to hang around. But... The Bears played reasonably well on offense. I can still see them doing that. This Vikings team, what's the L saying, Mark? Don't back the Vikings. Don't back against them or don't back for them. Leave this game alone and go to bed and watch it in the morning. The Vikings may because Davin Cook is a great running back and they might just use him and expose a weak Bears defense against the run. 
but I'm not comfortable to pick Vikings. You should never be comfortable about anything to do with the Minnesota Vikings. I think that's just generally the rule of thumb, especially if money or gambling is involved in any way, shape, or form. Colm, I didn't say anything to do with Minnesota, so, you know. No, uh, no, I, I just, I, my, like, all my in-laws to tell you, like, everyone is just, like, it, they, they know it. They know it there. I mean, it's it's funny because I've, I spend a lot of time up in Minnesota and in Michigan, and just, like, Michigan is just, the, the resignation there, there is no there's no hope everyone just is despondent there but the vikings you know they 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 you know that that the old quote from uh uh that just just when i thought i was out they dragged me back in and that's what the vikings do year on year well i mean if they if they drag you back in tonight um you know it and they get to seven and seven. They're right there with the Saints, who currently occupy that seventh wild card seed after that upset victory against the Bucks. So they'll be right there uh, in relation to it. But look at their last four games. Yes, we get to play the Bears twice. Whoop de do. We also get to play the Rams and the Packers. It is not an easy run in. So if they're gonna, I don't know, squeak in by their bums into that seventh seed, they're gonna need to win tonight, and they're gonna need to beat the Bears in week 18 as well um brian i did notice it but maybe you want to correct something yeah, for yeah. apologies i said jim Nagy. and jim Nagy. now in fairness has been on the show he obviously heads up the senior ball and we've had some conversations this week potentially coming back on the show in the new year so he was on my brain matt Nagy is the head coach of the bears who's been represented by trace yeah. and not we, we knew you didn't want to get jim Nagy fired and it was all about yeah. matt so it's all good but look um you know this game tonight um, no, I don't trust the Bears. No, I don't think they've got a vast amount of talent in the team. I think they've got obviously talented running back. Alan Robinson is a wide receiver that now doesn't need to be freed. He needs to be refound uh, in the first instance. I mean, we're sending search passes out for him, Colin. I'm concerned there is a missing person in the Chicago area generally. So um, Vikings have to win it, frankly, to have any chance. Like I said, with the run-in they've got, I will pick the Vikings. I don't feel good about it. I don't trust them. I don't trust it in any way, shape, or form. But I cannot make a viable case, honestly, for the Bears to do anything constructive for the rest of eternity. No, I'm getting a bit exaggerated there. Um, the Vikings will win. They're the better team. And Michael is also, is he going to make it a full house? And is he going to be very popular in Soldier Field? Yes, he has made it a full house. So um, hopefully the Bears media will give him a nice warm welcome with that. Um, well, given what you just said, I'm going to tell Mike Singletary where you live, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, they did do... No, I mean, look, I, I'd like to see the Bears be competent again, but you've got to get rid of pace as well as Nagy to even start getting there. And I'm sorry, I think he's a great athlete, but I am not sold on Justin Fields yet. Maybe with a lot more talent around him, a better line... All these things we can properly assume and assess him. Um, but it hasn't been an auspicious start, um, to say the least. But yes, he deserves time and we will see in relation to it. We won't call him Mitch Trubitsky yet. That's a pain unfair. Gentlemen, the game has started. 10 o'clock game on a Monday night is a rare pleasure. So we'll call it there for tonight. Thank you all for joining us as always. Thank you to our partners at Matchbook Betting Exchange and at Trust Gaming as always. Always a pleasure to see you. And from us at the Irish NFL show, it's good night. Good night, guys. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the games.